Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Eric McMahon. The Michigan softball team is headed to the NCAA tournament, though they're traveling much farther than they would have liked. The baseball team is nearing its postseason with the Big Ten title within reach. Plus, one Wolverine is now in the Basketball Hall of Fame and another is headed there. We discuss that and maybe even some football. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have enough time. Coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys. Good to be back with you. Happy to have you back on. A lot to talk about today. Let's start with the softball team. Carol Hutchins and the Michigan Wolverines are going to the NCAA tournament, and they're traveling. They are not hosting a regional. That's kind of the the controversy right away off of their their draw. They're going out to Seattle to play Seattle, which is, uh, I mean, I don't know how fair that is exactly right. for. Well, and Seattle's not even the host. They're not the, the host, right. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Washington being the host, but you know, still, I, I think they often do fill out those pods with, you know, teams that are closed for travel purposes, but, but still, yeah, it's just interesting. I, I, I take it. Michigan was one spot out. If they're, if they're playing the team that was the six, number 16 overall seed, 16 teams get to host and they're the next best seed in that little pod. Does that mean they missed it by one or what, what's going on here, Ryan? To be honest, I have no idea. This it was this was a strange selection show. I mean, Washington was the fifth ranked team in the country, and they get the number sixteen overall seed. So the committee didn't make much sense with their selections. And let me tell you, Carol Hutchins was not happy at all on Sunday night. We got to speak with her over Zoom uh, a few minutes after their their selection, and, and she was in her car and didn't even have her video on, and very short answered, and, and basically ripped the committee for. Uh, not giving them a, a host seat. I mean, all they did this year was go 36 and six, clinch the Big Ten title even before the final weekend, and and outscored opponents 208 to 55 this year. Led the nation with a 1.01 or 1.10 ERA, and still uh, were were left out of a, of a host seat. Now they have to travel across the country and face a team that a lot of people would think is uh, is much better than the number 16 overall seed in the country too. So um, really tough draw for them. And it, yeah, I, I get that the committee had a, a difficult job this year because I mean, the big 10 was one of the few conferences that only played a big 10 schedule. So they weren't able to boost their RPI by playing these out of conference teams, like, like some of the, the like the sec was ACC and, and Pat 12 and whatnot. And the Big Ten was down this year. I mean, I know Carol Hutchins likes to, to boost up a little bit, but I mean, only three teams earned a bid, Michigan, Minnesota, and Northwestern, and there was the competition wasn't great. So Michigan's RPI was only 31st. But again, Michigan can't control that, and, and they still took care of business by going 36-6. and six. I mean, it's hard to, to do much better than that. So I, I can kind of see why the Big Ten was punished a little bit because they weren't able to play those non-conference games, but – Still, for for twelve out of thirteen SEC teams to make it, including like one of like Georgia and another team, were are on seven game losing streaks, and they both got at large bids. And seven SEC teams are hosting, so tough look there by the by the committee. But uh, you know, they I guess they thought that the SEC was much superior than every other conference in in the country. So if I'm understanding this correctly, I mean, I don't, I'm sure that, I don't know if the committee's been asked, but they, it sounds like they've just <clears throat> overvalued the, the Pac-12 compared to the Big Ten. They just figured the Pac-12 had a better year. 
Uh, yeah, well, so there were six Pac-12 teams, and I think they more favored the the SEC than any other conference. But yeah, probably probably. I'm talking about like Michigan, Washington, you know, in regards to that. I mean, I would have Washington host over Michigan too. I mean, they were the the number five team in the USA Today coaches rankings. I mean, they're they're 39 and nine. So <laughs> you can argue that their season was just. I I would just thought that Michigan would be in the running battling against some of these sec teams that did a host bid. I mean, right. there was two teams behind them um, behind Michigan that did earn a seed in Tennessee and, and Duke, uh, even though Duke can't host at their own ca- on campus, they're still considered a top 16 and the number one seed in their region. So yeah, I, I was expecting them to slide and, and take one of those spots from the sec, but that just did not end up being the case. And, and they were, they're not the only team that got screwed. I mean, Clemson was third or so Michigan's 18th in the ranking. So, I mean, they were kind of on the bubble, but Clemson was ranked 13th, won the ACC regular season title. And they, uh, they, <laughs> they were ranked as high as number 10 and, and never, and they are having to travel to, to Alabama for their regional too. So it, the mission wasn't the only team slighted by the committee, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of discussion coming out of Sunday selection show. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, you could say, yeah, the, okay. The big 10 was down cause it only got the three, you know, bids, but you know, the flip side of that is they only got three bids because it was determined that, you know, the perception was that the big 10 was down. So, uh, and, and whether that's correct or not, it's, it's impossible to say. I mean, we, you know, we saw that with, you know, on, on the basketball side too, to a certain extent that, you know, non-conference games were, were played by some, by some leagues and including the big 10, but, you know, a lot opted for, you know, it was, it was, it was smaller sample size and, and in some cases just not, not a lot of mar- marquee matchups. Obviously it didn't affect, you know, the Michigan men's team ended up getting one seat anyway, but it is interesting to see how, how it all plays out. I mean, Michigan, you know, they are, a power in, in, in softball. I mean, they're in this thing every year and they, they make a, they, they've got their fair share of deep runs. So you'd think there'd maybe be a little bit of benefit of the doubt there with a, you know, hall of fame coach, but I most mean, definitely, so I mean, this it. is their 26 straight appearance. I mean, yeah, they haven't gotten out of the regional in a few years, but mm-hmm. still, I mean, they're, they're, they're competitive. You, their top two pitchers, they've been good the previous two years too, and, and helped carry them. And they're even having a better year this year. So I, I think Hutchins is primary, beef with the committee was like that she didn't believe that they evaluated teams correctly didn't pay enough attention to the teams just went, went off of rpi too much instead of getting to know these teams and watching the games that's what was one of her biggest criticisms so yeah i mean we'll see if, if they come in with a, a chip on their shoulder it'll be a, a tough regional where they yeah like andrew said they open with seattle a Portland state is also in that regional. So, I mean, I assume it will come down to Michigan and Washington in the, is the top two contenders in that regional, but you never know this time of year. I was just going to say, it's probably safe to assume that they're going to be pretty motivated going into this thing, whether it's Hutchins motivating them or the players themselves, but like to not, to not be seated and not host a regional, you know, probably has to be pretty upsetting. And it, it could be, like you said, it could be used as a motivational tactic, which, you know, could bode well, you know, in the, in the tournament. So they play Seattle at 8 p.m. Eastern time, Friday. Friday, yes. Uh, that game on TV, do we know yet? What? It is on one of the ESPN one, networks, I'm pretty yes. sure. Yes. Now I know, again, that's Friday. It's only Tuesday here as we record. But Zook, do you have any tidbits for us on Washington? You shared some already, or even Seattle, this first 
first round opponent. I know sometimes you got some funky stats for us or something like that, but it's early in the week. I don't want to put you on the spot. Yeah, it is. It is early in the week. So we'll, we'll, we'll have some more coverage later in the week on, on that. So I don't know too much about the teams, but we'll definitely dive in here later this week. I know yeah, Washington's another perennial power that's been mm-hmm. uh, there a lot. Michigan was had to travel to Washington, I think it was three, four years ago, and lost to them in uh, in the regional too. So, I mean, it's not like Michigan's traveling across the country the first time in a long time. I mean, they were just there a, a few years ago. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's tough to have. The, I mean, they're going to spend all day traveling on Wednesday and then have to get used to the time change. And, yeah. Being slighted could sure motivate a team, and I, I definitely think Michigan was was slighted here on, on Sunday. Stay on the diamond, uh, the Michigan baseball team nearing the end of its regular season, um, still in the hunt for a Big Ten title. Where do things stand uh, with them? Yeah, I mean, only six games left in the regular season. Right now they are one game back, tied with Indiana with one game back of Nebraska. So it's going to be a, a fascinating finish here. I mean, and Michigan picked up a key series win over the Hoosiers. They won 10 to three Friday, lost 13 to eight set or Saturday, and then won the rubber match Sunday, six to one. I was at Friday's game and, and saw Michigan hit three home runs and, and cut up, come up with some timely pitching to get out of some jams and had another strong performance on Sunday. And I mean, Michigan, it's going to be t- tough because they finished the year against Maryland, who is one game back to them and then currently in fourth place, and then travel to Nebraska, who currently leads the Big Ten to close out the year. So it's going to be tough. Uh, Michigan has not won a, a Big Ten regular season title since 2008, even though they've had a lot of success here recently. It's still a, a big bucket list item for for Eric Bakich in, in Michigan. So we'll, we'll see if they can pull it off. I mean, they lead the Big Ten with 277 runs scored. They had a good weekend at the plate against the number one pitching staff in the conference of the, of the Hoosiers. So we'll, we'll see if they can keep it going. And this is a much different looking team than the World Series team a couple of years ago, though. I mean, uh, they brought in a, a bunch of uh, grad transfers and, and it looks like they, it's been paying off. I mean, I wrote about this uh, after Friday's game, but they're getting tremendous productions from some of these guys that have come in and, and made an instant impact. I mean, Will Proctor, a reliever from Georgia, earned the save on Sunday, didn't allow a base runner and an inning and two-thirds to close it out. Catcher Griffin Mazer, who was at UC Irvine, had two hits Friday, including a three-run home run. He has six home runs this year and leads the team with 32 RBIs. Their shortstop, Benjamin Sems, came over from Kansas. He's hitting 348 with five home runs. And, and infielder Christian Molfetto from Stanford's batting 298 with six home runs and 28 RBIs. So yeah, I mean, they're getting, they have a, a, a top two pitching staff in, in the conference and lead the league in, in hitting. So uh, we'll see if uh, if they can stay hot here the, over these last six games and, and win the Big Ten title. Something to watch. Again, we've talked about this, the success of the, of some of these, uh, non-revenue sports, if you will, um, in Michigan, and we're, we're seeing it uh, you know, continue here uh, into May. Let's talk about the Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame, Springfield and Springfield, Massachusetts. We had, it took oh, six, over 60 years <laughs> for anyone associated with you know, the Michigan basketball program to, to get in, and now we're going to have, have two in a row here. So Rudy Tomjanovich was officially inducted on Saturday. Again, he goes in for his work 
as a coach in the NBA with with the Houston Rockets, but he did he did play at Michigan. He was an All American player um, for the Wolverines, so he's got that connection. It's interesting with the Hall of Fame, you know, the Basketball Hall of Fame. They you can get inducted twice. Like Bill Russell is going in next year, and I was like, Bill Russell, he's, he's got it. How was he not already in? Well, he is already in as a player. Now he's going to go in, you know, as 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 for his time as a as a coach. Oh so yeah, it's kind of interesting how they do that. I mean. My understanding, I'm just much more familiar with the Baseball Hall of Fame. I don't know. It's just, it's more of a stats-driven sport. I don't know. I'm just, I think a lot of people are just better at, you know, seeing a guy and saying, all right, no one from an era, okay, that guy's Hall of Famer as opposed to in in, in some of these other sports. But I'm pretty sure they just, you, you go in and kind of your whole body of work would get you in. But so be it anyway, Rudy Tomjanovich goes in. And then the very next day, Sunday, we learned that Chris Weber, who, who many felt had been snubbed for years, well deserved. Um, it yeah, well, is going and okay, yeah. I mean, I agree. First of all, just uh, sort of the logistics of of that. Someone I think did ask me on on Twitter about it, like why you know the very next day after an induction ceremony, they're they're saying the next class, and it, it's it's completely because of you know COVID. Everything got pushed back. Typically, it's April of you know whatever year the class is announced, and then they get inducted that September. You know, uh, several months later, that same year, and then you know the cycle repeats the next year. You know, this year the the class was not inducted last September in 2020, so it it, it didn't. I, my guess is they didn't want to then announce the next year's class before the previous one was inducted, so they didn't waste any time. Though once it once it did happen, they went with, with the next day. And you know, Chris Weber, who again is going in for you know his time as an NBA player, but you know what he did, you know at Michigan, I, I feel like counts <laughs> to some extent. Yeah, for his uh, his candidacy. But yeah, you guys have any thoughts on on Weber? Aaron, you were saying you definitely think well-deserved. Yeah, well, Chris Weber was ahead of his time when he's playing times in the NBA. I mean, he's a, he was a big man who could shoot shoot from the outside. He can dribble, get, you know, dribble. He was just, he would have fit in today's NBA and he mm-hmm. would probably have been successful doing it too. So I think, you know, maybe while his stats maybe weren't way up there, like some folks would expect a, a Hall of Famer to be, I think he helped mold a, a pathway for guys his size and with his ability uh, for the the current you know play style of the NBA, mm-hmm. uh, well deserved. He had some really good years. He was a good player. Uh, I, I totally I totally agree with that. And Ben Wallace too. I know he's not Michigan related, um, but he has the state of Michigan related, so yeah. to speak. I, I thought Ben Wallace was well deserving too, just for his role on a team that you know a few folks thought would get where it did. Yeah, I mean, I, I never watched much NBA, especially back then. But I will say. Um, back in my PlayStation 2 playing days in on NBA Live 2003, um, the Kings were definitely my favorite team to play with. They had Mike Bibby on, running the point and yeah, Chris yeah. Weber. It's like, man, these, this, I love this team, man. So that was, these, I always seem to score with them. So but that's, yeah, it definitely seems like it's well deserved. <laughs> I think that factored into his, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, that discussed in the room when they uh, uh, put forth this candidacy. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't want to be that guy who's, you know, dumping on a on a Hall of Famer. But I don't know, Ben Walls to me, again, that's I guess just my familiarity with the NBA Hall of Fame, you know, basketball Hall of Fame versus baseball. Like, I just he doesn't seem like he's uh, a Hall of Fame. I don't know. It's no, like when I you agree. think of just the era that they play in. Um, like, all right, was he ever one of like the top? 10 guys like in any season or whatever. And I know he did a lot of things that don't show up on the stat sheet because he was just a tremendous defensive player and was, you know, awarded, <laughs> you know, recognized for that. And I think just the championship helped so much. I mean, I think that's p- partly why Weber, there was the delay with him is that he didn't have that ring. I don't think he ever even got to a finals. I believe he was part of that team that was like literally cheated out of one, um, you know, and the games were fixed. But 
I wonder if there's any other guy in in the Hall of Fame that is in there averaging fewer than six points per game like Ben Wallace. Is. I, I, <laughs> point and it's it's valid and like I, I don't I'm not gonna argue against it. Yeah, not, I guess I get Ben Wallace played a special role on a special team. And ironically, he wasn't even named Finals MVP right of that that NBA Finals series, and I think it went to Tonchi Billups. Yeah, I think so, so. but I I think he still I think was the MVP of that team. I don't like the Pistons would have gotten where they got where they did without him. And again, you know, as someone who grew up in the Detroit area watching the Pistons, I was a big fan of the Pistons. Since growing up, and I remember that team vividly. He he played a huge role. There's, I think, there's argument either way. I I, I really do. Um, I I don't discount that, but at the same token, that he he was a special player at a special time, and and I, I don't know. It's, he he did like you said. He did a lot of things that didn't start, show up on the stat sheet, and I think sometimes that does need to be recognized. And I think this is probably yeah. one of those situations where you know it is. Put put him in the Pistons Hall of Fame, then is what I say. But no, I I, I get what you're saying, and again, I don't want to. <laughs> take away from his moment or whatever not that he's listening but yeah it's just it is it is interesting to me some of like just again thinking about like baseball and some of their comparables like just seems like hmm, okay he's in the hall of fame but okay so be it but yes we've got uh you know two you know two players with wolverine connections and you know chris weber's is even stronger than rudy tomjanovich as i'd say just because he, he's he's more recent and he played for, I mean, uh, you know, Rudy D was not a, uh, he did a lot of things in Michigan, but he didn't win. Uh, those teams were not, you know, particularly, you know, good that he was on. He was kind of sandwiched between, you know, successful eras for Michigan basketball. Chris Weber, the, you know, the opposite, you know, only spent two years in Ann Arbor, but, you know, one of some of the you know, most iconic, you know, teams in, in college basketball history. So, yeah, he gets his, his due and it was, you know, fun to see, you know, his fellow Fab Fivers, you know, including, you know, Jalen Rose, you know, their, uh, you know, being so happy for him and, you know, being able to, I saw you know, a clip of a interview with him, you know, live on, on ESPN. And it was, it was nice to see given, you know, some of the, the beef that they've, they've had in the past. So we'll get another one. So that, so that induction will be in September for Weber. All right. Well, that wraps up. Oh, we, why don't we said, listen, we said we might have some football news. If we had time, Aaron, you want to actually have some breaking football news. Yeah, okay. There we go. It, it's not huge, but we do have another Michigan football player who has entered the entered his name into the transfer portal. This one is running back Gage Garcia. If the name doesn't ring a bell or sound familiar, it's because he hasn't played a game. He was a true freshman this past fall, uh, part of Michigan's 2020 recruiting class. He was a three-star recruit, did not play a down, did not play a snap in a game this past fall. Michigan spokesman has confirmed that he has entered his name in the portal. That would make 15 scholarship players since the end of the regular season since the end of the season 2020 football season who have entered um not a huge surprise just because when we look at the running back depth chart a he didn't play a ton last year didn't play at all and b jim harbaugh has already said that hassan haskins and and blake quorum are gonna get the bulk of the bulk of the carries they've got in michigan's obviously as we all know got a couple of running backs that come in that they're considered the future and Donovan Edwards. Um, and then we got Tom, Tavier Dunlap. So there just probably isn't a ton of room for, for Gage. Uh, Gage was unique because he did play, he was on the wrestling team. So he was kind of a two sport star, two sport athlete, but he's going to go elsewhere. It looks like at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if he picks, I mean, I don't know, but I know he was considered a better wrestler coming out of, out of high school. So I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, playing two sports in, in college is tough. So We'll see what what he decides to do here as a new destination, but I wouldn't be surprised maybe if he picks one or the other. Yeah, yeah. He's from Pennsylvania, so he could certainly go back home. I'm sure there's some options for him there. 
And then another note we've talked about in the past, the hire of Courtney Morgan as Michigan's director of player development, player personnel. Sounds like there's further restructuring in the recruiting department. Uh, Michigan spokesman has confirmed me, I wrote about it earlier this week on MLive.com, that they have um, filled the director of recruiting position with Ashawn Larkins. If you've recognized his name, is because he's already on staff as an analyst. So he's been promoted as director of recruiting. But Michigan has also moved Jarrett McElwain, the son of former Michigan assistant coach Jim McElwain, who's now the head coach of Central Michigan. His son is still on staff. He's been in the recruiting staff since, since 18. Um, he is now the head of scouting. Uh, now, how they differentiate, I don't know. I haven't got a clear answer on, but it sounds like they're, they've kind of got a new two-person dual role type thing under Courtney Morgan. So while Morgan's obviously heading up recruiting and the like, um, he's obviously handling another dude. He's, he's, we got the NIL law coming down. He's probably going to be dealing with that. So it's more of a kind of a you know roving you know ownership type type deal. And you've got he's going to have Ashawn Larkins and um, Jared McQueen below. That'll become a full-time job, by the way. That NIL stuff will be. Uh, I listened in on just this uh, video chat, essentially with uh, you know a bunch of different college basketball coaches. But you know they they had a lot of questions. You know they had they had like an expert on there, and they were they you know a couple had their notepads out, and they were asking questions like there's there's going to be a lot of uncertainty and and confusion, and yeah, it's a whole new whole new ball game but uh, it's funny you mentioned that because i was just talking to ryan i think yesterday about it but i would not be surprised if michigan ends up hiring michigan football program and even basketball perhaps but they have, maybe the athletic department as a whole they end up hiring additional folks just to deal with this the, the nil law mm-hmm. and you know sponsorships and all, dealing with agents and the like so it's going to be a, a you know murky situation here for the next couple of years as folks as you know schools and coaches and athletic departments kind of figure out you know navigate the grounds because because it's going to be different. I mean, and since we don't have a federal law at this point, every state's going to be kind of doing it differently. So you've got to be able to navigate the waters in the different uh, you know, laws and requirements in each state. So it's going to be interesting next, gosh, 6, 12, 18 months. Yeah. I mean, there's the one side of, of doing it, you know, by the book to make sure, you know, you're following all the rules. And then there's the other kind of people you probably want to hire the the brand managers and social media experts to to do it well, to, you know, maximize, you know, opportunities for your you know, the student athletes that you're recruiting, you know, it's just another, another part of the, will be another part of the recruiting pitch. And then you've got the compliance department for the university kind of clinic coming up behind them, making sure everything's doing, you know, going how it's supposed to. So it's going to be a very, very interesting next year. So I'd say. Sounds like a future podcast episode or two. Um, All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Mm -hmm.